Welcome to Can They Do That? brought to you by Scott Law Team, the employment law firm. We are excited to discuss recent employment issues and events that affect your everyday life. Keep in mind this podcast is educational and is not a substitute for legal advice or professional consultation. If you need help, you can reach us at scottlawteam.com. I'm Corey Sabin, marketing strategist, joined by Kathleen Scott. Kathleen, how are you? Good to see you. Thanks so much for being here. So I've been practicing law, as you know, for 24 years, representing both employees and employers and employment law matters. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could do some educational podcasts on employment law designed to really meet people at the moment? And the moment we're in right now really is, you know, post-COVID 2021, hopefully. We hope. (laughs) Hopefully, uh, two years of a pandemic and really kind of tackling some of the employment issues that are out there. And right now, one of the largest ones is, you know, where can I find employees and how do I retain them? So many employers are having challenges, and it seems like the employees have everybody really by the short hairs, for lack of a better term. So what can employers do to attract employees and let them know that it's just more than a job, it's a career? Yeah, what you do for a living is so much more, right? It's who you are, really. And I think employers need to to recognize that and probably need to update some of their policies and their ideas and the ways that they're attracting employees. I know what I hear Um, employees aren't willing to go to work and put themselves at risk to get sick if it's not for the right dollar amount. But even beyond that, they want to work for something. They want to feel part of something. Um, And that's what we found. And so what we recommend is that you, every employer should adopt some type of core value program and not just things that you see at the water cooler, integrity, or, uh, you know, be honest, work hard. I mean, real core values that describe the way you want someone to use to describe your company. You know, it's it's not what it isn't. It's not what it is. It's something that's in the fabric. It's the culture of the organization. So employees know really what they're helping to build and really what they're a part of. And I think that's the secret. But how important is it, though, for the leadership to not only have those core values, but to exude them? Yeah. And that's the hard part, right, is is execution. But we have some suggestions on that. So if there are employers out there listening, what I would say is pick some adjectives. That if a customer or client of yours had an experience with your organization, you'd want them to say about your organization. And then find those adjectives and then adopt them to your workplace. And that becomes how you attract employees, how you evaluate employees, how you discipline them. So that becomes just so much more than just a word at the water cooler, right? It becomes the culture of the organization. And I would say training ties a great deal into that. Think of Disney where they are fanatical attention to detail and no cynicism. So when you go to Disney, they're creating these magic moments that we're not even aware of at time as consumers, but those employees, I would assume, are trained diligently and repeatedly. So how important is that as a leader in a company to take the time from just working in your business to work on it. Right. I mean, if it's going to be the happiest place on earth, you can't have people coming to work grumpy, right? That's true. <laughs> Unless you're the the, 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 elf, dwarf. the dwarf. That's yeah. right. <laughs> but yeah, so you, it is important. And you have to not only, they have to just exist and you have to breed them, you have to live them, and you have to discipline by them. And so for our organization, one of the words we use is tenacity. You don't want a lawyer that doesn't, you know, look under every stone. We want to leave nothing unde- unlooked at. We want to look, we want to be detectives. We want to be problem solvers. If we hit a roadblock, you want the kind of lawyer that's going to push through that to find the solution. So it makes sense as a law firm that does litigation, tenacity is one of our core values. And so we start with when we're interviewing and attracting candidates. Tell me about an example where you've hit 
a roadblock or a difficult situation? How did you work through that? We call that behavioral interviewing, but really in its simplest form, it's your core values synthesized all the way down to attracting the people that you need. Another one might be on a law firm, you need people that don't frustrate easily, right? Because people come to lawyers at the most difficult time in their life and you want that calm, steady, no knee-jerk response, kind of unemotional response from your lawyer. So one of our other core values is people that don't frustrate easily. And that becomes really important. So how do you find that? You start with the interviewing process. And then that becomes, well, during the evaluation stage, now I'm evaluating employees on how tenacious were you last year? How many times did you demonstrate how to keep a calm demeanor about you and not frustrate easily? And so it becomes evaluative and it becomes how they bonus. And it really then it becomes part of the culture of your organization such that people who are maybe overly dramatic or uh, prone to outbursts, they don't really fit in in the organization. And, not, and that becomes, like I said, the culture of the organization. So we, I think we start with employers, hey, figure out what you want your client experience to be like, your customer experience, and then let's pick employees um, who can uh, who can adopt those qualities. What I find interesting is you talked about the culture, but how do you make sure the cultures synthesize when you have four generations in the workforce? That's a hard one. You know, I, I listened to a core value podcast, ironically, yeah. <laughs> about Southwest Airlines talking about the idea that one of their customers wrote a letter complaining about what she felt like their ambiance was, was too casual for her liking. It was too flippant. It was too, you know, casual, I guess is the right word. And the president and the CEO wrote her back and said, I was really glad to know that we had an ambiance. <laughs> and I think that's kind of what I'm talking about. That's the secret sauce, right? So, but you know, if you start a core value program and maybe some people are, you're already starting off with people who don't fit in. I think your question is, how do we, how do we do that? How do we, we can't convert people. It's a behavioral thing, but we can maybe influence their behavior enough so they know that, um, that being in a miserable mood every day, for example, isn't going to be tolerated anymore. And we can do that by starting off by the rules of the road and the rules of the road really from an employer that starts with hiring and announcing your core values, but then having handbooks and guidelines that say, you know, we really value excellence here. So if you have someone that's putting out sloppy work all the time, that becomes, you know, a core value issue. The, the best way to do it and the most positive way to do it, which kind of ties into attracting those employees, is to bring attention in a positive way to the people who are meeting the values. That is probably, I would say, you know, if you have a, a meeting or a daily huddle, we do a huddle in our firm, we can say, hey, kudos to Ashley. You know, she really caught this, what could have been a major miss up, but because she's so detail oriented and so specific, she found this before it became a problem and calling attention to it. So one positive way to do it is to tell people, hey, when you're doing it right. And that sort of brings and people want to be like that and make it an inspirational uh, goal to be more like Ashley, right? We, in my firm, we can all be more like Ashley. <laughs> so when you look at Ashley, though, maybe Mike was the one that gave Ashley the idea, but he didn't get any credit. Well, that it, happens. It does happen. It does happen. And so you have to focus on the team approach, too. And uh, knowing Ashley, if I did bring attention to her in a group setting like that, that'd probably be the first thing she would say. But um, it's true. So you have to be, you know, team-centered and oriented in that, in, in that respect well. So having the core values, doing the behavioral interview, and then how often do you suggest really reinforcing those core values at a company? So, you know, some companies like to give you an evaluation once a year. Imagine if your kid went to school and got a report mm. card at the end of the year only, and you found out, oh, young Gabe didn't pass second grade, but you didn't know halfway through, you can't really fix it. So it's such an important point all the time. Feedback needs to be regular. Monthly is a lot because employers are busy and they have other things to do. But nothing's more important than working on your business. Uh, so we have some ideas on how to do it. 
One is do a self-evaluation, at least quarterly or even monthly if you can do it, where the employee gives descriptors about how they have met the firm's core values or the organization's core values from their own perspective. And then the next month, the employer can give their feedback on, hey, I think you did great on these, but here's some other places where we need improvement and have a plan. Second part of that, so often and regular, as often as you Mm. can. Second part of that is, do you have metrics? I mean, employers, ask yourself this question. Does every employee in your workforce know what a good work week looks like? Does your secretary know how many import, how many appointments she should be setting? Does how many people, how many cars they should be selling? And so if you haven't set metrics, then you basically have people working without a goalpost. And so where is the end zone? They're just going to run forever without a day off. So setting metrics together with constant feedback on how they're meeting the core value, those two things really is how you really tie those together to come up with the culture of the organization. And along with those metrics, how important is incentivizing them when they reach those goals so that they could strive for a higher goal? Right. And so you you want production to be at the forefront of every compensation plan, right? The harder I work, not the more hours I work, the harder I work. Um, and I think that's what employees want too. They want to know that if, they, if they're smart enough and fast enough and skilled enough where they can get their job done in 30 hours in a week, why should they have to spend 10 hours drinking coffee just to show their face in the workplace? That becomes part of the, part of the core value culture as well, you know? How about social responsibility? With so many employees out there now, and again, we talked about the different generations, it seems that the baby boomer wants something very different than what the millennial or Gen Z wants. Mm-hmm. And Gen Z has a more social footprint that they're involved in and interested in. So how do you share your company's core values, but also tie into what social responsibility is? I think it's a great question. And I think I would maybe frame it just slightly different. I would find out from the employee's perspective, what's important to them, right? Because a company can set the agenda. We're going to support Black Lives Matter. Everyone obviously is going to say, yes, that's a great thing to support. But I might start with the employees, have a meeting and say, we want to make sure that our organization is not just about profit. It's about people. Tell us, what are your goals? What are some of the things that you're the causes you feel strong about? And get that employee buy-in, right? Because if we tell as employers, this is what we're going to be about, this is what's important to the employer, well, there's not going to be that buy-in and commitment. So I like the idea of having an interactive process where the employees can sit down and talk about the social media issues or the social issues of the day that they want to be involved with um, and then start the agenda that way. It's interesting. I was with a client just the other day and uh, what we decided was, what are we going to get involved in as a team for Martin Luther King Day service day? Let's not look at it as a day off. Let's do a day of service. Hmm. What resonates with us? And then the team threw out the idea and they came up with a couple of ideas and those are the things they're going to execute on. And then it went one step further and it became something they're going to do quarterly. So I would think that enhances morale as well. And it seems like you get buy-in from everybody and creates and exudes that culture, if you will, of everybody working as a team. Absolutely. And when employees decide where they want to spend their time and how, then the likelihood of the success of that is much higher. That's true with workplace issues, right? So if you have a department that maybe isn't performing well, you can call a meeting and talk at employees and be like, your productivity is low. This isn't happening. And you can focus on the the problem. But when you invite employees to say, "Let's, what is the solution? What do you guys think the largest mm-hmm. issue facing our department is right now? And I might say, well, in my view, I think we could do more and maybe increase our productivity. What do you guys think? And they're going to recognize that, right? And they say, yeah, I think we could do more if we, you know, spent less time on the phone with clients setting appointments or whatever the issue might be. But when the employees have the solution, 
um, then they buy into the solution and they come up with the ideas, then success and execution be, just follow naturally because they're invested in that in which they have decided is important. What's interesting right now is we're in this roller coaster of the pandemic where we have different waves. At what point, though, is it incumbent upon the employer? Can they say, listen, this remote work thing that you've become comfortable with is hurting my bottom line and our productivity. I want everybody in the office. Um, right. It's a great remote work is a great question. And so employers, I'll take a breath. I know the traditional rule of an employment relationship is the employee gets up and they come to the workplace, they sit, they show their face, they have their butt in the chair, and that's what we all need to see. And that's what ultimately turns into, you know, hours worked equals what we pay employees. That's over. Let me say it again. That That's over, right? We have mm. to rethink the way uh, the workforce is. And I think what we want to do is a more of a productivity approach, right? And And I would argue that if you need to see an employee's face or, as I said, their butt in the chair – then the real issue isn't whether the employee shows up to work or not. The real issue is has the employer established the right metrics to to determine whether that employee is profitable or doing a good job, right? Because if you don't know that if an employee happens to be working from home, that's a larger issue. It means that you haven't really thought about what a good work week looks like. How many letters should that person be getting out? How many clients should they be selling? How many cars are they supposed to sell remotely? That's the focus. And so now remote work isn't all unicorns and rainbows, right? Uh, There are some real legitimate challenges there for an employer to work on. One of them is is how do you track time when someone's working remotely where they can wake up in the morning, have coffee, be in their pajamas and start their work day? But I'm going to challenge you on that and say, but it's also communication. If I'm working with you and we're doing a project together and you're at home and you want to you know, do your thing and I'm in the office, it's, hey, let's get up in the conference room and whiteboard this. Let's have a communication. I don't want to have to reach out to you via our chat or call you nonstop throughout the day. You're do, you're hindering me and my productivity. It's a fair point. There is definitely the, the remote worker needs to work harder on communicating and being part of the team. Can we use technology to solve some of those problems? I think we can. We can use Zoom meetings. Uh, we can have regular huddles scheduled. Sure. And But it is, is it perfect? No. Um, but the but on the positive side, you can attract talent now nationwide, worldwide, you know, and if you can overcome the time zone issue, now you're not just looking in, you know, we're in Palm Beach County, Florida right now. We're not just looking for the employee that's in Palm Beach County, Florida. We're looking for someone in the entire universe. And now we have this applicant pool that is going to be um, so much more exciting. I do think there's a balance for employers between should all of their workers work 100% remote should they all be 100% in the office? I think either one's probably not perfect, right? But if we can have a balance, a blend between remote work when needed or coming into the office a few times and then making that effort to fly in or be in um, to come visit. And we're going to hear from Gabe Roberts, an attorney on one of our our podcasts, who's joining us from Jacksonville, Florida, who's primarily a remote worker uh, and trying to show us how to do that the right way. Yeah. And what's interesting to me is knowing that you can attract anybody. And we talked about the vision, which I believe should come from the leadership and the mission should come from the employees. The core values are important so they know what they're looking at and what they're a part of, but it all starts to me with the story. What is your why? What is your and why? why should I work for you? What do you believe in? And what is that why? Because that helps you resonate as opposed to your what. Right. And so, you know, for us, the why is we're here to serve our clients, right? We're here to make the workplace a better place. And that is the why. And so if you can communicate that to your employees, that should translate into your core values. For example, a calm response. Don't frustrate easily. Being tenacious. Then you serve who? Not yourself. You serve your clients. And it's nice that you can make a dollar doing it too. But you're right. You do have to start with the why. And employers who haven't 
communicated that they're not they're not taking advantage of the probably most motivating thing that's out there is the reason we all wake up today to be together right and so that is something that i think has been underestimated a little bit and the pandemic has really highlighted that because when em- employees are choosing do i wake up today and go in because i have to show my face potentially get sick um, to, to work a job that may, maybe I'm not making as much money as I'd like to, to spend as much time with someone who's not their biological family. Um, and so they, they want that higher purpose. They want that higher meeting. And I think that's probably why we're seeing employees who've made the choice, you know what, it's not worth it. And so if they're not part of an organization and that answers that need of the why, then what is there to motivate them to put themselves at risk? And so leadership does need to say, you know, what are we all about? It has to be more than just a dollar. Beyond incentives, what are some other suggestions you have? So the popular buzzword in the employment world <laughs> is the unlimited PTO. I feel unlimited like PTO. unlimited PTO. Wow. Yeah. What does that look like? Well, and how do you track productivity with that? So again, your metrics need to be set so everyone knows what a good work week looks like. So when you're when you're able to take off, you can. So now unlimited PTO isn't for everybody. Um, you can't have a brand new employee start and then take her whole probationary period off and be you know traveling the world. I think it should be earned. So it's for it's an incentive to keep longevity of employment. So people who can stay three, five years start to get unlimited employment, unlimited PTO, um, and be able to manage that. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to ignore your work duties. So the employee has a responsibility to get their work done, um, but they can also take off as much time as they need. And the, the, the essence of unlimited PTO is this word, planned. Planned time off. Okay. Because what we find when people just wake up and go, I'm not coming into work today, that's very detrimental to success of the organization. One thing I keep hearing from different clients is the manager is in their 50s and the person that's under them is in their 20s and they need a mental health day or they're triggered in a meeting because they something set them off. As an employer who's perhaps a little bit older, who's not used to those terms, how do you address and handle that? Yeah, I mean, I think I was raised old school, you know, when we had the sniffles. Deal with it. We came to work, yeah. you know, when we had a cough, we came to work. We just, you know, we never showed weakness. And um, and so any side of weakness to some people who are old school can be viewed as un, as a negative, right? Um, it's a good point. I think it's a cultural thing. It's something leadership has to, has to explain. Um, that asking for a pause is ultimately healthy. And we have to start valuing that, right? I notice in myself too, if I work seven days straight, maybe on the Monday after the long weekend, I've worked all weekend, I'm not as you know good as I would have been had I just taken a full day off and kind of hit the reset. And so I think you know, not only as an organization, as a culture, we probably need to start valuing a little bit more the importance of you know time away and reset and those things. Um, but that pause for the cause, if you will, is very forward thinking, And what if your employer is someone that says, hey, look, we've got to meet these client needs and we've got expectations. We're on a timeline. And because you're triggered because a noise you heard or something you saw that affects all of us and our goal. And now you want a day. Right. Handle that without losing your cool. I think I might return the focus back to planned absences. And acknowledge okay. the stress that an employee might be under and say, listen, I know you're under a lot of stress. I get it. I'm not not sympathetic, but let's do this. Let's get through this hurdle. Let's get through this deadline. And on the other side of it, we should plan some time. So you have that as an incentive and also it's a recognition of what the employee is explaining is real to them. And that is paid PTO, clearly. Clearly. And it's planned. When is too much too much? When productivity suffers. And you have to have the key goals and the metrics to measure that. Mm-hmm. And when you give what we find, I know it's a hard pill to swallow for employees out there, but what we find is that we give employees a little bit more control over their life 
a little bit more autonomy over their work life, that they actually do much better. Hmm. So when it's the employee's choice that I'm going to work all weekend this weekend because I want to take off two days next week, they are much more productive and they feel like they're in charge of their own life and their own destiny. And then that equals to increased dollars and cents to the employer. Worst case scenario, that person stops meeting deadlines on their autonomous job journey. What do you do beside suspend them and eventually have that discussion? And you bring them in and you say, look, well, our, one of our core values is timely completion of projects, right? Every, every, that's important in every workplace. And if you can't do that, you're, you're not managing your time well. It's a time management issue. You're not managing your time well and we can't have you and maybe take away the, the paid time off until they can get their workload under control. What does tenacity mean to you? Because that's one of your core values. No stone left unturned. Think bulldog. Think lawyer with a laptop in one hand okay. <laughs> and a strong sense of doing the right thing in the other who um, is challenged and motivated by things that are difficult and loves a good, loves someone who underestimates her, loves the opportunity to show that there's always a solution to every problem. So what if you have a colleague who's not as tenacious as you? Can you teach it? You can encourage it, I think. Okay. And you can also hopefully figure out what personality traits or values that colleague brings. You know, sometimes the best team is made up of people who are different, right? Um, you know, I'm opposite the track. I think about my husband. I couldn't be more different, but it works, you know. I'm a fast-talking, fast-moving, boom, 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 and he's more, you know, pensive, and so it's very different. So I think everyone can bring a value to that. That's why you can't have just one core value. If tenacity was the only core value, that wouldn't work, right? We need tenacity plus we need calm. We need tenacity plus calm and accountability, kind of weaving them together to create that fabric. So in that situation, you got to find the, the value that that employee brings, and maybe it's a different core value. So before we wrap this up, what's a tangible takeaway you could share with employers on creating those core values so they understand which ones align with their mission? So think about the experience you want your public that you service. So if you're in the car selling industry, we use that example. If you're an attorney, if you're an accountant, whatever it is, if you're selling pancakes, what is it that you want the client's experience to be? And then pick your core values from that. And then hire from them, attract from them, evaluate based on them, discipline based on them. If you have to, terminate if they don't meet them. And have them part, not just of words at the water cooler, but have them up as part of your fabric of your organization. Thank you, Kathleen. Thank you so much for joining Can They Do That? I want to give a special thanks to our special host, Corey Sabin. Thank you, Corey, for joining us and asking all the right questions. For everything employment law related, please visit us on our next episode or in the meantime at our website at scottlawteam.com. Until then. <laughs>